Live and local. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. And a great good afternoon after a just an incredible weekend of sports, whether it be college football, the NFL, Major League Baseball playoffs. My goodness gracious, it's just been fabulous, fabulous. But it's great to be with you today, Monday, October 17th, the year 2022. We're here for the next two hours and we are jam packed with everything i hope that you will enjoy today my main man james mesh back in the master control suite he's in that very important producers spinning the tunes pushing all the buttons he's in the game studios which are on the campus of delta media which houses klwb which is 1037 lafayette we're also on in lake charles 1041 FM, we're streaming around the world, 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com. And if you happen to be in the Acadiana area and you got a television set, flick it on, use that remote, whatever it takes, because we're simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. Did you miss the headlines of the day? Not to worry. The Blonde Bomber has you covered. Here is Holtberg's headlines. Behind the best game of his short career to date, Jaden Daniels led LSU to that huge win in the swamp. Brian Kelly becomes the first coach in LSU football history in his first season to win at Auburn and to win at at florida tigers knocking on the door of the top 25 of the associated press they are at number 27 with 87 votes behind purdue and behind the six and one two lane green wave who make the top 25 in college football for the first time in decades tennessee the big story of the weekend beats alabama at home a high scoring affair um and the volunteers jump up in the polls three spots georgia's still number one ohio state's number two tennessee number three undefeated michigan at number four undefeated clemson at five once beaten alabama at six and lsu's next opponent in Death Valley this Saturday at 2.30, Lane Kiffin's 7-0 Ole Miss Rebels are at 7. TCU carries the hopes of the Big 12 with their overtime win over Oklahoma State. They're 6-0. Chip Kelly's UCLA Bruins are 9. Uh, they're also 6-0. And Oregon comes in at number 10. Yes, Jaden Daniels. Kayshawn Booty had his best game of the season with over 100 passing yards received. 
Um, and of course, LSU was in complete control, in cruise control. And then all of a sudden, they forgot how to tackle. And Anthony Richardson takes one uh, 90 yards or whatever it was for a score. Then LSU's offense kind of stumbles a little bit. Here comes the Gators again. It took a field goal um, by Ramos to sign, seal, and deliver um, the win. That ended up being the game winner. With Ole Miss coming to town in one day, the line has moved three and a half points from Ole Miss doing, uh, being an early two-point favorite to now LSU is a one-and-a-half-point home favorite. This comes while 71% of the bets are on Ole Miss, which tells me that the wise guys, the guys with the the intuition, are high on LSU for this one. So we'll talk all about uh, the Tigers uh, coming up today. As great as that was, it was totally frustrating for the New Orleans Saints uh, as Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, and company came into town. Burrow walked in wearing the Jamar Chase warm jersey from his LSU days, the number one, um, a packed house. And after a great start by the Saints, um, they couldn't punch it in in the red zone. And they kept settling for field goal after field goal after field goal. And that's not going to cut it because Joe Burrow uh, and company – we're too good. And it all comes down to the quarterback spot. It just does. A great quarterback, and you got a great chance. An average quarterback, well, you're going to struggle. You're going to struggle. And the Bengals win it 30-26 to 26 on the day. Uh, Burrow connected with Jamar Chase for two touchdowns. And... Um, that's all she wrote. That's all she wrote. Andy Dalton tried. He tried, but just couldn't happen. Saints had 71 total plays to only 54 for Cincinnati. Both teams, right, uh, the Saints with 399 yards of total offense. Cincinnati, 348. Joe Burrow was 28 of 37 for 273. No interceptions. Got sacked three times. Saints ran the ball like crazy. 34 rushing attempts for 228 yards, a 6.7 yard per carry. But in the red zone in the second half, all the Saints could do was kick field goals. Field goals, field goals. Meanwhile, the Bengals were scoring touchdown after touchdown. So that just kind of sums it all up and now the saints are uh, struggling two and four the dome field advantage no longer seems to be exi- exists in existence as they are one and three at home they get to go on the road and see what they can do camara was terrific 19 carries 99 yards he had six receptions for 25 yards but when push came to shove and you needed to get it into the end zone the saints couldn't do it and they settled for field goals and because of that now the saints to two and four but tom brady and the tampa bay buccaneers lose to the pittsburgh steelers who the week before got blown out blown out 
Um, and now they couldn't, uh, and the Bengals couldn't win it. Uh, excuse me, the Buccaneers couldn't win it. And so Atlanta gets a win, a very important win. So Atlanta and Tampa Bay are at three and three, and the Saints are at two and four. Two and four. So um, there you go. There you go. Saints again, Thursday night, quick turnaround. They don't have time to to dwell on their mistakes because they got a short week. They'll they'll look at film today. They'll do a little working out on Tuesday. They'll hit the road, travel on Wednesday. And right now, Arizona's a one-and-a-half-point home favorite for that Thursday at 7.15 p.m. kickoff uh, against Kyler Murray and and the Arizona Cardinals. So it's a tough loss. How, how, uh, you know, who's going to play for the Saints? Who's going to be available for them? Um, the likelihood of Marshawn Lattimore, Michael Thomas, and Jarvis, Jarvis Landry to come back and play on a Thursday after missing Sunday's game are probably slim to none. Slim to none. So they'll go in there undermanned yet again. Um, and we'll have to go see what happens. So they didn't go through their traditional practice today. Most of the week is going to be, instead of anything on the field, it's going to be mental preparation they're going to be doing a lot of rehab a lot of recovery um and just to get themselves mentally ready to come back and play on a thursday which you know for players in that sport with that size and that speed it just doesn't make any sense and those thursday night games have been awful very awful um so Look, a short week win would put them in a much more comfortable position with an extended period of rest before they return to the field for a week eight game against Las Vegas. Um, So there you go. We saw the Philadelphia Eagles continue their winning ways. They beat the Dallas Cowboys. Dak Prescott's going to come back and in all likelihood start for the Cowboys. Next week, we saw the rematch of the unbelievable Bills-Chiefs game, won by the Chiefs in the playoffs. This time, the Buffalo Bills get it done. They are by far the best team in the AFC. And right now, the Eagles are the best team in the NFC. And it certainly appears like uh, the old collision course cliche comes to mind. Comes to mind. So um, we've all got that to talk about. We've also got uh, college basketballs right around the corner. Tomorrow, it'll be SEC Media Days in Birmingham. Kim Mulkey will be there. Matt McMahon will be there. They'll have all those uh, things to talk about as you get ready for the college basketball season. And the AP preseason poll came out in that one. North Carolina, who surprised just about everybody last year, with a talented team that was led by first-year coach Hubert Davis. Uh, they went a long way in the NCAA tournament, all the way to the Final Four, all the way to the championship game, um, before losing to Kansas. And now they are the preseason number one with four starters back from the team that lost to Kansas in New Orleans. Gonzaga, number two. Houston, number three. Kentucky, number four. LSU's nowhere to be found, and rightly so. And rightly so. They, they're they not ready for that. Uh, Tennessee is asking the fans to pony up uh, as 
They have been fined $100,000 for storming the field, but they also have to pay for new goalposts because they tore those babies down and threw them in the Tennessee River. I still think they're partying in Knoxville. I do. I really, really do. USC no longer unbeaten. They lose to Utah. So, um, man, things are things are coming into play. Let me tell you our guest list today. Christopher Dunnels will join us here in just a minute. We'll talk about the Saints. Glenn West will share his thoughts on LSU and what Brian Kelly had to say today at his Monday press conference. Blake Lavelle will join us in hour number two as we uh, go around the SEC. Tennessee with the big win. Uh, Ole Miss remains undefeated. Georgia had their breakout against Vanderbilt and of course LSU with their win on the road in the swamp and then Blake Rafino will come back and we'll uh, we'll talk all things uh, LSU football we'll hear some sounds from Saturday and Sunday including sounds from Brian Kelly from Andy Dalton from Tyron Matthew from Joe Burrow and from Jamar Chase so that's what we have in store for you today so we'll take our first time out of the day this is the Jordy Helpert show on the game 1037 Lafayette 1041 Lake Charles we are your home for all of a sudden a team that could be in first place in the SEC West if they can get a win Saturday over Ole Miss and that is the LSU Tigers we'll be right back Tune in every weekday at 8.15 a.m. and 3.15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update. Presented by Tibbs Trailers here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. All right, we are back at 19 minutes after the hour. As we get rolling on, the Saints come up on the short end of the stick to the Cincinnati Bengals, 30-26. to 26. Let's recap it all with our good friend from Canal Street Chronicles, Christopher Dunnels. Christopher, thank you for the time, and congratulations on the birth of another baby in, in, in your family. That's terrific. Thank you so much. I take that as an offer for you to raise this child to adulthood. So thank you so much. Well, my son just had his first baby um, over the weekend, so I'm committed. uh, I got to get to Houston soon and go hold that baby and take care of that and get get reacclimated into it. Um, So, but again, congratulations, Chris. If you had told me that the New Orleans Saints would run the ball for 228 yards, they'd win the turnover battle one to zip. There's no way the Saints lose the game, but they did. How? Well, uh, it'd be a few things, I think. I think the the easiest thing to point to would be the defense just really struggled this game. And in part, the absence of Marshawn Lattimore was felt. That pushed some other players into starting roles, uh, namely Chris Harris Jr., uh, who was picked on essentially all game in in the slot. Bradley Roby really struggled on the outside as well as a number 2 cornerback. So the defense just struggled is the nicest way to put it. If you mm-hmm. told me that the Saints offense would score over 20 points in the game and add that to your list of the rushing yards, the turnover yeah. battle, then I would say it sounds like a recipe for a Saints win. Right. But the problem was the defense just gave up more points than the offense could score. 
an elite quarterback will do that to you. And Joe Burrow, uh, once again, 28 of 37, 300 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions. When they needed to put uh, put the old pedal to the metal, they're scoring touchdowns. When the Saints are moving the ball, they get into the red zone, and all they can do is kick field goals. And I'm, I just saw it coming. I'm like, oh, my gosh, you can't do that in the NFL. This quarterback on the other side's too good, and they couldn't convert in the red zone. Yeah, for sure. That was definitely another problem, too. When, when the Saints are running the ball, what that means is the, lo- the further they get along the field and into the red zone and closer to scoring, it shortens up the field that they have to play yeah. with, and opposing defenses can just kind of stack the box, play against that run, and the Saints didn't really have much of an answer for it. So aside from a couple uh, earlier scores, including that one that came from outside the red zone on that Rashid Shaheed uh, kind of mm-hmm. reverse in around kind of play, uh, right. They really struggled once they got inside the other side's 40-yard line. Injuries uh, are killing the Saints, and it doesn't look like with the short turnaround that Lattimore, Thomas, Landry, Olave are going to be able to play again. Is that what you're hearing? Oh, uh, I'm actually hearing that Olave has a good shot to play this week. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. So I think there, there's a chance. Uh, it's far from a guarantee, but it's definitely a possibility. Uh, outside of Olave, yeah, I think everyone else you mentioned probably mm-hmm. misses. It's the short turnaround. They're playing again, obviously, in just four days on Thursday night mm-hmm. football against the Arizona Cardinals. Right. So I would be surprised to see uh, Lattimore, Michael Thomas, uh, and or Jarvis Landry suit up. Through all the, the woes and begos of this, the Saints are still only one game out in the in the NFC South. Atlanta, uh, Tampa Bay loses yesterday, so they're all three and three. Saints are two and four. Um, is it Jameis Winston time? That's the question, right? So uh, Dennis Allen was kind of asked that same question, and he skirted around the issue by basically saying, let's let Jameis get fully healthy first. Uh, he was healthy enough this past week to be an emergency third quarterback behind the starter, Andy Dalton, and then Taysom Hill. So if he needed to play, he obviously could have in, in an emergency situation. Again, the short week makes me think that it's probably unlikely that he plays. But at the same time, Andy Dalton didn't really do a whole lot. Granted, there were injuries, obviously, in the receiving core that you mentioned. Right. But he didn't do a whole lot with that last drive to make no. you think, oh, he's just kind of iced this job now, and it's his. I felt like those last two possessions for the Saints were really an opportunity. If Andy Dalton could have done something and stolen a win there, uh, that we'd be hard-pressed to make a quarterback change back to Jameis, even when Jameis gets healthy. I don't think Dalton, while he's played fine, hasn't played well enough to secure that job and keep it from a healthy Winston. When your quarterback rating is 293 uh, that that says a lot. Um, and I, look, he had some good plays, but more often than not, as a quarterback, you got to get touchdowns. You got to figure out a way to get touchdowns, and they didn't do it. So, um, are we? I mean, we're at a critical juncture, right? I mean, this season's ticking along, and although you're only one game out in your own division, it's still with so many players hurt. I mean, what, what do you what do you surmise about this game on a Thursday when you have to travel uh, all the way out to Phoenix um, on short rest? Well, it's gonna. This is going to be the game where if the Saints lose this one, they really need yeah. to start reconsidering 
what their position is for the rest of this season and moving forward. Uh, mm-hmm. Because it's going to be hard to come back from a two and five start. But if they can win this game, get to three and four, still have a game left against Tampa, still have a game left against Atlanta, yeah. uh, then you're right. Like you said before, the NFC South, no one's run away with it just yet. So as long as they can keep it close, then they have a shot. But if they lose this game, Oof. I'm not so sure. How would you, um, what do you see out of Dennis Allen? And, and look, Coaches can only coach so much. Players have to go play. But what 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 do you what what's your viewpoint of this squad right now? Yeah, uh, it's disappointing to have a defensive minded head coach come in and the defense struggle as much as it has been. Now, yeah. granted, a lot of that goes to both the execution of the players and the players themselves. There's been a fair amount of turnover. Malcolm Jenkins, Marcus Williams, others, all gone. Uh, but at the same time, there are things where you say, you know what, this seems like it was a coaching issue. A lot of sloppy penalties, sloppy play, ball security being an issue, even for players who historically we hadn't seen that be a problem with in the past. When Alvin Kamara starts ca- coughing up the football repeatedly, there's an issue there, and I yeah. think it's more systemic. I think it, it goes to issues with the coaching staff possibly, maybe not all Dennis Allen, maybe some of it's on the skills coaches and even Pete Carmichael, the offensive coordinator. But it's cliche to say that it starts and stops with the off- with the head coach of an NFL football team, but in a lot of ways, it really does. Uh, Chris, let's go back to what you the comment that you made about this game. If they lose it, um, you have to start evaluating things and uh, for the future, uh, and it all starts at the quarterback position, doesn't it? Well, for sure. Uh, well. And let me go ahead and just remind everyone of this. Unfortunately, for better or worse, the New Orleans Saints do not currently have a 2023 first-round draft pick. They traded that that away to the Philadelphia Eagles uh, to get their two picks that they used on Chris Olave uh, and their uh, offensive tackle, who's missed the the season so far, Trevor Penning. So right now they don't even have a first-round pick to say, well, let's go tank for insert college quarterback here. Now, that's not to say they won't get one later, because with Sean Payton already kind of whispering there that he's returning to the coaching scene, that probably means the Saints are able to get an early second or a mid-to-late-round first-round pick for the rights to Sean Payton. But right now, they don't have a first-round pick to be able to say, well, we're going to go find our franchise quarterback. Uh, but that's been kind of the problem since Drew Brees retired, is that they don't have a clear franchise quarterback. They've made plays. they tried for Russell Wilson. They tried for Deshaun Watson It was in what was well-documented courting of Watson uh, and eventually had to come back and settle for Jameis Winston. Winston's been hurt. Uh, even when healthy, he didn't play lights out. So hopefully Winston can come back, get healthy, show the world that he's you know capable of living up to that number one overall pick, Heisman Trophy winning, right. national championship winning quarterback. But if he doesn't, the Saints are going to have a hard time trying to find a replacement for him. Golly. All right. Um, short turnaround, so we shall see. Christopher Dunnels, it's um, it's in a very important game on Thursday, and we'll see what happens. But thank you, and again, congratulations. Boy, girl, what, is, what do we have? Uh, I have a three-year-old boy, and now the, the newborn's a baby girl, so I got one of each, and I am very oh, much that. done. Congratulations. Enjoy every minute of it. And thank you, Chris. I appreciate it.
Thank you. Have a good one. All right. There you go. Again, the Saints taking on the Arizona Cardinals this Thursday night, and the game will get you ready for the primetime matchup. Crunch time with Miguez and Mesh will be broadcasting live from Twin Peaks on Johnston Street from 4 to 6. So come hang out with the fellas. Enjoy the ice-cold beverages and the tasty burgers and the sights and the scenes this Thursday night as the Saints take on the Cardinals. Twin Peaks eats drinks scenic views all right we got the bad out the way how about them tigers going in the swamp i didn't think it would happen but boy Jaden daniels i, I swear I'm, 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 I'm my daughter's at homecoming that we're taking pictures and the guy comes up to me and goes we got the worst quarterback in the world we can't play why can't we get a quarterback and i'm like uh, what what wait and see what he does tonight let's wait and see Hmm, I need to give him a call. How do you like him now? We'll talk with Glenn West when we return to the Jordy Helpert Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, your home for the LSU Tigers in Southwest Louisiana. Jordy Holtberg is known far and wide as the Blonde Bomber. For the perfectly feathered golden mane he rocked back in the day at LSU. The hair may not be as golden or as long, but Jordy is still making a name for himself. Back to more of the Jordy Holtberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. And we are back at 34 minutes after the hour, after getting blown out of their own stadium by what could be, and many could argue, the number one team in college football, the Tennessee Volunteers. The big question I had was, how would this team, how fragile would they be? How would they respond? And how would they go on the road in a very tough environment in Gainesville and play? Well, they answered our question. Uh, LSU's offense grew up before our very eyes. Jaden Daniels was was sensational. The Tigers left Gainesville with a 45 to 35 win to improve to five and two. And they even the all-time series against Florida. You talk about eerie. Threes are wild. 33 wins, 33 losses, and three ties. Let's get the lowdown from our main man, Glenn West, who joined joins us yet again on a Monday from Go247 Sports. Glenn, I man, I'm glad I was wrong. I didn't know how LSU resp- would respond. I didn't see that one coming, big guy. Yeah, I think you probably laid it out there really well, is that you know LSU's offense really grew up a lot, I think, on Saturday night. It was a really well-rounded performance. I mean, I, I can't remember. I think I tweeted this out during the game, but can't really remember a, an offensive performance that was just so efficient. Uh, from LSU in really three years. I mean, I think you got to go back to 2019 uh, before you can recall an offensive performance that was so uh, efficient and well executed. Um, Six touchdowns on your first six possessions. Um, We've talked a lot of this year about the slow starts the offense has had. Uh, You didn't get that at all. Um, You were able to get a guy like Kayshawn Booty involved really early in the game. Kind of really opened up the offense. I think once you got him really heavily involved in that first quarter. Um, Jaden Daniels, you mentioned it, was just sensational. He really, I think, just kind of – he was a different quarterback. And, you know, I think LSU – this was the kind of guy that LSU was really hoping they would get. This was the kind of performance that it, he would be able to show. Uh, and I think he, he did a really nice job uh, just kind of orchestrating the whole thing. Who's this dude, Josh Williams? 
yeah. who, who, where'd he come from? What, what's the, I mean, he looks great. Yeah. So Josh Williams has a pretty interesting story. He's a walk on uh, running back who earned a scholarship a couple week a couple years ago. Um, he's, he's kind of the, in the engine of the, in terms of just protection, in terms of being a protector at the running back spot, he's great in pass protection. Uh, and then you got the chance to see his legs, uh, this last weekend going for over a hundred yards. He does all the little nitty gritty stuff that, you know, uh, Ryan Kelly kind of called him that and just, he does everything to help us and, you know, move efficiently on offense. And so I kind of wrote heading into last week that I thought he was going to be a player that was going to really thrive in this game. Um, I you know don't want to toot my own horn, but he absolutely did. Sure. He was a big, toot he was it, a big baby. Yeah, toot he it. Big, he was a big part of that win, and he's got a really interesting story. He uh, you know kind of went back into high school back in the high school days. He was a, a big basketball player. He did the AAU circuits and whatnot, and he actually had a chance to go play in China uh, with uh, a couple of NBA legends whose names are escaping me at the moment. But he had a really great experience. Uh, doing that um, and uh, yeah just a, just a really cool uh, kind of story um, yeah, I think at, w- one of them was Hakeem Olajuwon he got a chance to go uh, go play overseas yes Olajuwon was kind of the one orchestrating the whole thing so he's just a really great story and a guy who I think is only going to see his role expand in this offense as the season goes along okay uh, Glenn I'm a huge fan of this won't back down that they sing between the third and the fourth quarter can we get LSU to play the the Garth Brooks song or something between the third and four we got to do something that's pretty darn cool man yeah so they play the uh, they play the Garth Brooks song uh, in the war- pre-game warm-ups they play in pre-game warm-ups and since at least since I've been there I'm not sure if it's always been that way but they've they've played it uh, at the fourth quarter too at the start of every fourth quarter okay Cool. Kind of going into the fourth quarter, they play that song. Uh, but yeah, no, they LSU Social put out a really, really fun video, uh, kind of uh, tying in that that song with kind of how LSU was preparing for that matchup. Yeah. And Coach yeah. Kelly talked about you know kind of the going into that game, they want this game decided heading into the fourth quarter, so they could really enjoy that Tom Petty experience. I'm going to take the win, all right. But t- in typical LSU fashion, they, they they keep you on pins and needles. Man. They really mm-hmm. they had that thing signed, sealed, and delivered, and it, they made us sweat it out. They couldn't tackle Anthony Richardson. How many missed tackles did we have on that long run? My goodness. Yeah, I mean at least four or five, and you know, that that was the. That was kind of the, the the I guess the downside of this game is that you know the defense really Ooh, for a second bad. straight Ooh. week has just not looked up to par. Um, yeah. It's been tackling, it's been uh, guys getting out of their gaps, getting out of their assignments, um, and you know, look, Coach Kelly kind of put it plainly today with us that you know, we just got to tackle better. I mean, yeah. they they missed so many tackles. <laughs> not only on that one run, but really throughout the game that allowed Florida to have the running game that they did. Um, you know, they, they were pretty solid in, in pass protection yeah. or in, 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 the, in the passing game in pass defense uh, outside of that one big 50 yard bomb they had in the first quarter or so. But um, yeah, it was, it was, it was, you know, I think it was eye opening, you know, to see them struggle so heavily against the run for a second straight week. Thank, thank goodness, Damian Ramos came through with that forty-seven yard field goal, got him a ten point lead. So that part of special team, and you know, it's bad when the television cameras on a special team play has one camera on the special teams coach and yeah. another camera on the play because they're anticipating something bad happening. And poor Jack Bash did it again. I, I feel terrible yeah. for the kid. Yeah, he um, 
Yeah, so uh, on that muff punt, you, you didn't see much of Jack Besh after that. And no, he's he in street thought clothes. It was, he thought it was initially because, you know, maybe they just wanted him to get his thoughts under him. But turns out he actually strained his back. And he had he was dealing with a strained back for most of the last week. Um, you know, the, the, you know, very unfortunate to have the muff punt for a second straight week. But, um, you know, I think, you know, health-wise, you know, he's still considered day-to-day. Um, the team considers uh, they think they're going to get Armani Goodwin back this week. They uh, he's going to return to practice on Tuesday, the running back, and so that adds another layer of intrigue to your running game if you're able to get him uh, healthy for this one um, a little bit sooner than maybe they initially thought as well. So that's really good news. But yeah, look, special teams. I mean, it's just gotten to the point where it is what it is at this point. I mean, I think you got to go in thinking like they they fourth down, you, go for it. You can't, you can't, you can't have them cost you points. So I mean, do you get yeah. to the point where you just not stick anybody back there? I mean, that, I know it's kind of a half joke, but I mean, really, I mean, that's now several weeks in a row that yeah. those have cost you points uh, on, on kick and punt returns. That's crazy, Glenn West. Go to four seven sports. Um, Ole Miss coming to town. Uh, here we go. They're undefeated. The line went from Ole Miss favored by two, and in one day, LSU's favored by one and a half. And the majority of the bets are all on Ole Miss, which tells me the wise guys like LSU. Yeah, that, that was very interesting. I guess they really, really liked what they saw from LSU's offense last week. I think they're probably predicting it to be a, a pretty high-scoring game. Um, Ole Miss's uh, offense comes in just absolutely devastating on, on the fire. Yeah. And, you know, this is this is the thing that Lane Kiffin can do. I mean, last year and the last couple of years, they've had the great quarterback, the great passing quarterback in Matt Corral, and they've led the country in, in, in passing offense. And this year – um, they have more of a running quarterback, more of a, a a running kind of scheme, and they are leading the country or their top three in the country in rushing offense. Like they're averaging close to 275 yards on the ground per game. They've scored 24 offensive touchdowns uh, uh, on the ground through the running game, which is the most in the country. Um, and, you know, you, LSU's coming off back-to-back weeks where the run defense has not been great. So you've got to – Really figure out something if you're LSU's yeah. defense in terms of just slowing down uh, Ole Miss's rushing attack, make Jackson Dart, their quarterback, beat you with his arm, uh, and, and just kind of see how everything else plays out. But kind of heading into this week, you know, I I didn't expect to ever utter the words that LSU's offense might have to carry them in a game this this season. But certainly after, after Saturday's performance, they're riding that confidence and riding that momentum into this week. Well, they did it on all levels. I mean, Jaden Daniels was terrific. He was he was steady in the pocket. He didn't uh, he didn't leave too early. He was just terrific. Um, the offensive line held up. Will Campbell, the SEC offensive lineman of the week, you got Booty involved early, and that made him engaged. And you got to do it all back. I mean, why not? Why yeah, not? And I think the biggest thing that we finally got a chance to see was him take a couple shots. I mean that. Big 55, 60-yard yeah. touchdown he hit to Jeray Jenkins there. That was sweet. That was, uh, sweet. That, that was a beautifully thrown ball. It was a great route. And that was him showing trust in his receiver that he could go and make that play. Um, he threw a couple of balls into tight coverage that we yeah. hadn't seen really in recent weeks. Um, this, was the, this was the prototypical performance you were hoping to see from Jaden Daniels and how this offense can run at it. its most efficient. Um, and it starts with the pass. It starts with the passing game. It starts with getting their elite weapons involved, um, getting them the ball, letting them go make the plays. 
And, uh, you know, look, Booty had a nice game. Dre Jenkins had some nice plays. Brian Thomas, the, the sophomore, had a really nice game as well. Malik Neighbors had four catches. He was spreading the ball around. Yeah. And when you spread the ball around like that, it just keeps the defense on its toes and you're able to have some of that success. I still love his ability to run. And we got to give kudos to Mike Denbrock for kind of figuring it all out. I don't know Great what they plan. did in practice, but they figured something out uh, and they kept that kid's confidence, man. That right. That's the key. And you saw the success on the field. Yeah, absolutely. It was a great game plan from from Den Brock. Um, you know, you could tell really early on that they were they were going to try to uh, unleash Daniels a little bit with his arm. Uh, and I guess that was a game plan walking in is that, you know, hey, we want you to air it out a couple times early in this first quarter, see what happens. Um, and it just so happens that, that Kayshawn had his best week of practice all season. Uh, he got the offensive captain. Uh, he was the offensive captain right. for that game. Uh, and he absolutely proved it. He looked like a more, he looked like a faster player. Honestly, he looked, he, more, did. he, looked, he, he looked a little bit he quicker. Really did. He looked a little bit more, uh, I wouldn't say engaged, but he was just more, uh, he was just faster. And he was, you could tell that he was just playing on a different playing field early in that game. And that his, his performance really early, I thought really dictated how LSU's offense was able to run throughout the rest of the game. And it opened up so many things to everybody else. So Brian sure. Kelly, the moral of the story, make him your dadgum team captain every week. Sure. Why not? I mean, I mean he, not? he did it. He did it for Tennessee though, too. So, I mean, it's just kind of one, one good, one bad, yeah. I guess you're well, kind of operating with here, yeah, but uh, to show you, Tennessee's pretty good. Yeah. Woo. Oh man. That was a fun game. Woo, that was, that was a fun, fun Fun game. Uh, again, Ole Miss coming to town Saturday, two thirty kickoff in Tiger Stadium. Uh, it'll be packed to the right. It'll be a that'll that'll be a really good game. If you had told me three weeks ago LSU'd be fighting for first place in the SEC West, I'd have laughed. Yeah, but they That's are. Fair. Yep, they're three and one. They're tied with Alabama right now. And if they go in and they beat Ole Miss at home this weekend, they're right there to tie for first place. And you got Bama coming in two weeks later. So. I know that's a big if. Look, that's a big if. Huge if. Um, but. The Vegas odds, you know, have LSU right now as a one-and-a-half-point favorite, which is kind of the the sign that it's a little bit of a push game. You know, when you when you usually go into a, a, a road game like that or when LSU kind of is a host and they're only a one-and-a-half-point favorite, it's kind of the odds makers saying that we think this is going to be a pretty evenly matched contest. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so – uh, they 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 know something. I mean, I think they they're not they're not putting that line out there for nothing. So, um, you know, I think LSU certainly feels their their there's confidence here in this group that they can uh, compete, and and I think they're they're certainly going to turn out a pretty good effort on on Saturday. He is uh, Glenn West. Go two four seven sports. While we're all anticipating that, it's a busy day tomorrow and Wednesday in uh, Birmingham mm -hmm. as the SEC women's and men's basketball media days will take place. I'm I'm, I'm wondering what your Kim Mulkey and the the women will be on Tuesday. Matt McMahon and the men will be on Wednesday in Mountain Brook, Alabama, a suburb of Birmingham. I would imagine that the the pundits would vote uh, Kim Mulkey's Tigers at or near the top of the SEC in their, their preseason projections. And Matt McMahon and the men might be on the, the other side of the ledger going into this thing. Yeah, I mean, uh, it, the kind of funny thing is, and I'm not so sure that they might be at the very bottom. I mean, th there's been a lot of push here for the men's team in particular 
Um, I think that you could see them kind of in that sixth, seventh range in terms of the entire SEC. Really? Heading into the year. Yeah, I've talked to a couple people who vote on that in terms of the SEC projections. Based upon what? Based upon what? Look, I mean, you're welcoming in an entirely new team, right? But you have guys that have NCAA tournament experience. You have a coach that has consistently proven he can win. Um, even if it's at a lower level, you right. find those players and you still got to be able to coach them up into the tournament level. Um, look, they, they, they have a lot of, of good pieces and like Adam Miller, uh, coming back this year, I think is going to be huge. Yeah. Uh, KJ Jefferson is a very underrated big. I think he could very well be your leading scorer on this team. He, you know, he's a guy that is six ten. He can have, he can handle the ball a little bit. He's got a jump shot. Um, he's big, he's physical on the interior, um, I, I, I think he's in for a really big year. Okay. Um, they have a couple really solid freshmen in Tyrell Ward and Jalen Reed that I think are going to get some early playing time. Um, there's some, there's a lot here I think to like about LSU's men's team this year. And you mentioned the women. I mean, I think, you know, you're going to, if this team isn't a top three, four seed in the NCAA tournament, something's gone, uh, you know, kind of wrong with that group because they're, yeah. they're they're loaded from top to bottom, starting with their their freshman superstar, Flojay Johnson. Um, can she rap and do all that stuff? Did you go to that outdoor little thing? Did you see I, that? I didn't go to the outdoor I thing. I, I looked at it on uh, Twitter a little bit, and it looked like they were just doing some kind of glorified Goofy layup stuff. lines, a couple yeah. of competitions and right. with the fans and whatnot. So um, didn't get a chance to see that, but we'll have media day here for LSU basketball sometime in the next week or so. And we'll get a chance to talk with all those guys. So yeah, plenty of time, plenty of time to talk hoops. I, I give LSU a really more than a puncher's chance on Saturday. I, I don't, uh, yeah. the home field and all that. I'm just, I'm just telling you, I got a, got a early feeling about this one. Wouldn't that be something? Yeah, look, it would be a great kind of open date present, I think, for Ooh. LSU to go in there with only one loss. Um, it certainly makes me feel a lot better about my eight and four prediction if they're able to pull go. off an upset like that. There you um, go. Because then you're you're quickly looking at okay, well, if you can beat Ole Miss, what are your chances here against Bama? And then you, you get two weeks to talk about that. But and that, that's going to be a night game because that's the same yeah. day as Georgia Tennessee. Yeah. So CBS is going to crank that one up at two thirty. Yeah, um, wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, yeah, that that's that's been a that's been a trend for for CBS. I think that's probably where it's trending. So I would think so. <laughs> you'll get Bama and LSU back in uh, Death Valley for a night game. That would be really really fun. And uh, you know, if LSU's only got one loss. Uh, you know, I think it's a sign that, you know, things are starting to come together for this group and, you know, all bets are off when that, that happens. That's a long way away, but I got a sure. feeling against Alabama, you got to score over 40 points to beat them. And I don't know if LSU can, because Bama, Bama's not going to go away. They're going to no. get beat eventually, but what they score, 48, 49 and got beat? They scored 49 and a loss. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah, I mean. Look, Bryce Young is just an awesome He's so player. good. He's, He's so, so good. Yeah. You're so good too, man. Thank you so much. Always fun, buddy. Appreciate it. Thanks, Jordy. You got it. Glenn West, go to for seven sports. The Tesh Project is hosting the Shake Your Tail Feather Paddle Parade and Party in the Park. That's a lot of peas on October 22nd. A pair of live Cajun bands will escort paddlers as they float from Poche Bridge to Bro Bridge from 10 to noon. After the paddle parade, there'll be free celebration at Park DePaul and Bro Bridge from 1130 to 2. Horace Trahan and the 
Osun Express will be playing. There'll also be kids activities, food and drinks, bird costume prizes, and a kayak raffle. Come paddle or join the fun with the Tesh Project on October 22nd in Bro Bridge. For more information, the website is teshproject.org. We'll be back to wrap up our number one here on the Jordy Helpert Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, your home for the Tigers. And how about them Houston Astros in Southwest Louisiana? You know the routine. Eat, drink, sleep, and sports. All day, every day. You're listening to The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. All right, as we quickly wrap up our number one, hey, kudos to the Raging Cajuns, the preseason favorite to capture the 2022-23 Sunbelt Conference men's basketball title as determined today by a vote of the league's 14 head coaches. The Raging Cajuns' Jordan Brown was chosen Sunbelt Conference men's basketball preseason player of the year. The Cajuns, who advanced to the Sunbelt Conference Tournament Championship game last season, received 10 first-place votes. Texas State was picked second. South Alabama, James Madison, Georgia State rounded out the top five of the poll. So good luck to Bob Marlin and the Raging Cajuns. But we're in football season. So coming up, our number two, Blake Lavelle will join us at 14 Southeastern. We'll go around the SEC. Blake uh, Rafino will join us as well. And uh, one game, winner take all in Major League Baseball tonight. We'll talk about that as well. This is the Jordy Helpert Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros who are waiting to see who they play Wednesday. Live and local, this is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. It's hour number two of two, and away we go after just a phenomenal weekend of um, of college football, Major League Baseball playoffs. Today we've got one game, winner take all, Yankees versus the Guardians in the Bronx. Whoever wins it will be in Houston for the start of the American League Championship Series, and the Dodgers are out, the Padres are in, the Phillies uh, ended the Braves' chances to repeat as World Series champions. So who to thunk it? And we got great NFL action. We've got SEC basketball media days, Tuesday and Wednesday. The NBA's opening up, all kind of things. But I want to start our number two with, boy, the SEC and football got a whole lot more interesting after Saturday. And Blake Lavelle from at 14 Southeastern, Blue Ribbon Basketball Yearbook, and everything else he does is kind enough to join us. Wow, where do we? Let me ask you this: Doesn't Tennessee have like a hundred million dollar budget in their athletic department, and they're asking the fans <laughs> to pay for the goalposts? Are you kidding me, Blake? Yeah, Jordy, I don't think uh, when you sign up to carry out the goalposts out of the stadium, I don't think you're thinking about um, refunding that money. Um, so <laughs> yeah, I think Tennessee gets enough money from ESPN and and all of that to probably handle that goal. I can't imagine 
even with uh, inflation, the goalpost costs have gone up all that much. So I think they'll probably be okay. I got to give Alabama kudos. I mean, that was a great game. Tennessee had to score 52 points to beat them. And they, they kicked a field goal. And I just saw the pictures of it. How how close it was to just clearing the crossbar, but give Tennessee credit. I mean, what what a great game. What's your summation of it? Yeah, it's it's funny, isn't it? Because how different it is in football, especially when it comes to a team like Alabama, where anytime you lose a game, um, it's like everyone's just like, boy, we're just terrible. I thought Alabama was the better team, quite honestly, Jordy, um, for the pretty much the you know the second part of that that game in terms of making that comeback. Um, obviously you give Tennessee a lot of credit for getting off that 28-10 start, but after that, yeah. Alabama are the ones that made all the plays up until that missed kick. And then yep. you give you know Tennessee enough time to work with, what was it, 16 seconds, and that's all they needed because you know, and I thought going into this, it was going to be whoever got the ball last is probably going to win this game. And that's exactly what happened. Um, I don't think you come out of this at all disappointed if you're Alabama in terms of, just where everything is at. I thought Bryce Young had one of the he best performances terrific. from a losing game quarterback that I've ever seen. Um, Unbelievable. He was just from, I mean, he was, he, he was just remarkable in terms of some of those plays he made in that game. Um, but, you know, the defense, I, I don't, you know, clearly this is not Alabama's defense of, of old in terms of where they're at. We knew they had some issues in the secondary coming into this game. Uh, but I also don't want to take any credit away from Tennessee. I just yep. think Tennessee very clearly at this point, you know, even if you turn the conversation to LSU, I think that was just one of those games where it's very clear. Tennessee can do that to anybody. They just did it to Alabama. They did it to LSU a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Um, they're yeah. just that good offensively. So I, I actually came out of the game probably a bit higher for both teams than I was even going into it, and that was saying something that both were already top ten teams. So Me, me too. Um, and you could have a valid argument, I believe, that Tennessee could be ranked even higher than number three based upon the schedule that they have played. So much of this stuff goes into where they were ranked before the season started, and they weren't anywhere near where they are now, and it's, it's hard to climb up. But you could make an argument and a very valid one that they they quite possibly, because of who they played, where they played them, and how they played them, be the number one team in the country today. Yeah, that that you're you're completely right about this. And I had this debate with someone earlier about – and then the point you made of Georgia's there because Georgia's a defending national champion and no one has beaten Georgia yet. And quite right. frankly, outside right. of the Missouri game, Georgia has decimated everybody that they've played for the most part. Um, yeah. And so I think they're, that's saying something. But at the same time, their four SEC wins have come against probably the bottom four teams in the league. But again, yeah. I don't think you can take anything away from Georgia because aside from the Missouri one, they've beaten them all handily. And I think you compare that to what Tennessee has done. Tennessee's beaten four top 25 teams. Now, again, are those all going to be top 25 teams when the season's over? Maybe not. But at the time, to this point, they've got four top 25 wins. I can't imagine there's anybody with a better resume in the country. It's not Ohio State. uh, It's not Georgia. It's probably Tennessee. And I think when you look at it that way, I think you can absolutely make the argument that if we're just basing it on these first seven weeks of the season and we're not taking into account last year preseason polls, all that. Exactly. I think Tennessee's probably the best team in the country. And that's really the way they ought to do it, but they don't do it that way. So anyway, Blake Lavelle at 14 Southeastern with us. Um, 
couple of things. I was surprised Arkansas put up 52 points against BYU. I don't know what happened there, but Arkansas beat them like 52-35. Where'd that come from? Listen, Jordy, we've come a long way from the nine to six games in the SEC. Yeah, Tennessee Ah. putting up 52, Bama 49, LSU 45, Arkansas 52, Ole Mm -hmm. Miss 48. Like, it was just – it was an offensive uh, performance this week in the SEC. But, yeah, I mean, look, K.J. Jefferson coming back, that was just – I mean, we always say the value of quarterback play. You saw that this week, I think, in a big way in terms of, obviously, Bryce Young, K.J. Jefferson, Will Levis, like all these guys back and ready to go. And, and, you know, all their teams minus Bryce Young, who, again, it's helpful like he he had a winning performance in that game, um, were just terrific. And I think for Arkansas, all year long for Arkansas, it's been about the defense. And now getting that win, you know, stopping a three-game losing streak, now you finally get to sit back and rest and actually get healthy after you know going through one of the toughest stretches of any team in the country here over the past month or so. Um, and so I think this will be a good time for the bye for Arkansas. The rest yeah. of their schedule, by no means easy, but there's some winnable games on that schedule. So I wouldn't be surprised if the Hogs kind of get things back uh, to where they were earlier in the season. Like I said, for LSU heading into Gainesville after getting blown out in their home stadium by Tennessee, how would this, how fragile would this team be? How would they respond to it? I don't know what they did, but that's the best game Jaden Daniels has ever played at LSU. They got Kayshawn Booty involved, and he looked like the guy he was a year ago. And they got this guy, Williams, running the ball. Like the, the offense clicked. They clicked, and they, they put up 45, like you said. Yeah, clicking at the right time, getting ready for Ole Miss because we know both teams can put up points. But I was very impressed with what LSU did at Florida. Like you said, I think you know the conversation all year long. To me, I've always looked at Jaden Daniels like that's a he's been very efficient this season, and I think yeah. you know his ability to just kind of I don't know he just feels like one of those just sort of calm, cool, and collected guys as he yeah. gains more experience as each game goes along, and that's exactly what you want from your quarterback, of course, and. You know, getting more guys involved. You talk about booty. I mean, it's like, you know, if you're going to be a team, which, oh, by the way, I think everyone, if you're an LSU fan, knows this now. We're getting ahead of ourselves. But LSU now controls its destiny in terms of winning the SEC West. Um, Amazing. It's, you know, a long way to go to get there to beat Ole Miss and beat Bama. But it's certainly in play. You've got to have all these guys uh, to be able to make that kind of run to get there. So clicking at the right time, I was very impressed because, you know, that's a game where I think we were still figuring out what was LSU, what was Florida, and for LSU to go in and get a win like that and impress in a lot of different ways, that's a good spot to be in heading into that game this week against Ole Miss. Uh, Ole Miss 230. Uh, we saw Ole Miss um, kind of struggle a little bit. Auburn it looked, fought like crazy, good for them. But Ole Miss comes up and, and wins the ball game uh, to remain undefeated 48 to 34 they're seven and oh three and oh in the sec and i mean i gotta give lane and we've talked about this before i've got to give lane uh kiffin a lot of credit normally it's a quarterback centric system that he's involved with but this judkins and evans these two running backs one judkins gets 139 on the yard evans gets 136 on the yard the quarterback dart gets 115 yards so they got three guys over 100 yards um that's what they do right yeah and i think that's to me and this is why you know we can talk about josh heupel i thought just the way he called that game against alabama was nearly perfection offensively but i also think 
And what Lane Kiffin's done this year has been nearly perfection, too, offensively, because, like you said, it's, you know, maybe you think about Lane Kiffin, you're like, well, they're going to come out and throw the ball a lot, have a, you know, elite quarterback and put up a lot of passing yards. No, he's, he said, here's my strength. We're going to run the ball down your throat and no one's going to stop them. And so far, no one has stopped them. Like they have just been able to run, run, run on everybody. And I think one of the underrated aspects you brought up, Jackson Dart, you know, we came into the season early on and we're like, we don't know who their quarterback's going to be. Yeah, he's um, pretty good, but man. he's really kind of like Jaden Daniels where he's gotten a lot more confident. He's gotten a lot more, I think, comfortable in their offensive system. And now he's starting to showcase some of those things alongside those two running backs. And I think that's given Ole Miss a really big boost. So it's going to obviously be a challenge for LSU this week. But, again, if you're talking about two quarterbacks in terms of where their confidence is right now, there's no doubt that both Jackson Dart and Jaden Daniels are very confident in what they can do in these offensive schemes. So, uh, Were you surprised, uh, Blake Lavelle, at 14 Southeastern and how Kentucky handled Mississippi State? I, th- I really thought State had a chance to win that thing and win it going away, but, man, I'm, I was dead wrong. I tell you, I thought it was first to five uh, as that first half was playing out. I thought the first team yeah. to, to get a field goal and a safety might win that game. But, um, you know, Kentucky able to really just do exactly what they need to do because you want to talk about a team that was in trouble of going in the wrong direction very quickly um, they lost that game to Ole Miss. You know, they lost that game uh, to South Carolina without Levis. But to get him back, make the plays they made late in that game, um, you know, it's just – I say this again, but it's like this is just what Mark Stoops' teams have done there. Like, it, it's almost like there have been many times where you feel like, okay, could Kentucky sort of slip a bit? And they just find a way to, to win some of these games. And, you know, now that gives them the boost they needed to get back on track and – here they are getting ready, you know, now here, not this week, but the, the week after they're going to get ready to head to Knoxville um, for their biggest opportunity of the season against Tennessee. Um, so, yeah, it was a huge win for Kentucky just from that perspective, getting that momentum back um, and being able now to kind of, you know, have a little time to prepare for Tennessee and, and see what happens there. And now Mississippi State has the enviable position of having to go play Alabama in Tuscaloosa after the Tide uh, get knocked off by three by Tennessee. That, that's not an enviable, enviable position to be in. But, Blake, um, the game that intrigues me on a very light schedule in the SEC um, is Texas A&M at South Carolina. Man, if Carolina can pull this one off, it's a 6.30 game on the SEC Network, and it wouldn't surprise me. Could you imagine what's going on in College Station if Jimbo doesn't win this one? Yeah, I, I, I told someone yesterday, Dre, I think this is one of the most unpredictable SEC games thus far this season. And I, I think agree. the reason why is I don't know what South Carolina is, and I don't want to take away what they did against Kentucky, but – Reality is reality, and Kentucky is clearly a different team without Will Levis. So I don't want to take anything away from Carolina for that because their defense has gotten better, too. That's something I think has kind of been underrated. You know, and they're going to go against the Texas A&M offense here that has not found its way by any means. But, you know, maybe they gained a little bit. They were one play away from beating Alabama, shocking the world. Um, But, you know, come up short, had a week off. But you just said it. I mean, it's here's the deal. Again, facts are facts. And if A&M loses this game, that's going to be loss number four now. Um, and we go back to Jimbo Fisher's track record there. All but one season, they've lost at least four games. And right. I think that that is 
again, becoming a reality, even if it's not this game, they're probably going to lose one somewhere else along the way. And you can make the excuses. You can talk about this or that. But there's a lot of money going in down there, and it's going to take a lot of money to get them out of there. Uh, but I think this is just a huge game, really for both teams. But if you look at it from A&M's side, you got to win this one, Jordan. Sneaky, sneaky game there. I don't know what to, what to think of it. Um, I would be remiss if, since you're um, a, a basketball guy as well, a big, big basketball guy, SEC media days, the women on Tuesday, the men on Wednesday. I'm curious, Kim Mulkey's team is going to be ranked up near or at the top because um, they're they're loaded. I wonder what your thoughts on, on Matt McMahon and the men's team. A lot of new faces, a lot of transfers coming in. Um, where do you think the, the pundits are going to place LSU early on? Yeah, I think LSU going the season is one of those teams that, that probably winds up right there around the, the bubble conversation. That's, that's probably where I would put them because I think okay. they're one that the upside is there for them to be much higher given all the, the pieces that are in place. I think they're still one of those teams that a lot of people will look at and say, all right, let me just see how it all comes together, right. and then I'll give you you know your due for that. And I think you could put Florida in that same conversation. Um, I think they're going to be, to me, Jordan, there's a clear top five, and whatever order you want to put them in, it's fine. I think Kentucky's probably at the top of that list. Tennessee, Arkansas, Alabama, Auburn. I think those are probably your top five for okay. a lot of people going into the season. But then I think you've got that group of Florida, LSU, A&M in there, um, I think Missouri could kind of be the surprise team this season. A lot of teams like that, and of course, as we've talked about, there's a lot of new coaches in this league. And so, you know, there, there's a lot of things that you still have to kind of see how these coaches adjust, but a lot of good roster construction this offseason. And I think LSU will be right there with the chance to make the NCAA tournament this season. All right, we shall see. He is Blake Lavelle at 14 Southeastern Blue Ribbon Basketball Yearbook. He does it all. Um, thank you, man. That's. I guess they're still celebrating uh, in Knoxville. I don't expect them with UT Martin coming to town. They'll get some new goalposts up. Uh, a chance to maybe rest Hendon Hooker after the second quarter and uh, kind of come come back down to earth a little bit, I would think. Yep, I would think so. A lot of partying still going on in Knoxville. <laughs> wow, unbelievable. Blake, thank you, my friend. I, cre- I appreciate it. Thanks, Jordy. All right, that's Blake Lavelle um, with the very latest on things around the SEC. LSU kind of controls their own destiny. It's asking a lot. I think they can, I think they can give Ole Miss of a lot. I really do. Um, make sure you join RP3 in the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, this Saturday from 11 till 1 at the Heritage Housing at 3350 North Frontage Road in Jennings. Swing by, register to spin the prize wheel for a chance to score a pair of McNeese football tickets and more prizes. So make sure this Saturday you swing by Heritage Housing in Jennings. CRP3 and swing the prize wheel so you can score free McNeese football tickets and more. It's all coming your way. And don't forget that the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com can help you with your date night blues. That's because once you become a member of our rewards club, you'll have the opportunity to win excellent prizes like a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse at Cypress Bayou or a $50 gift certificate to the Half Shell Oyster House 
or a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen. But you can only score these great prizes by becoming a member of the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. It's free, it's simple, so go sign up today. We'll take a quick timeout. We'll find out if the Astros are going to be playing the Yankees or Cleveland. We'll find out what KD said about Zion in anticipation of the season opener in Brooklyn. That's all coming your way after this timeout. The Jordy Helpert Show on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Download the free The Game mobile app for Android and Apple devices. No matter where you are in the country, you can listen to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. And we welcome you back. The Sweet Dough Pie Festival is coming back and serving up a slice of history and deliciousness. Every year, pastry chefs and home cooks vie to be crowned the best in Sweet Dough Pie contests where the public is the judge. And of course, a large variety of pies are available for purchase. The Sweet Dough Pie Festival returns Saturday, October 29th from 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. at Grand Coteau Town Park in Grand Coteau. For more information, call 337 331 Five two, or visit the town of Grand Coteau's Facebook page. It took a former Astro to stretch the ALDS to its limits. Game five tonight, tied up two apiece. The Guardians and the Yankees. Garrett Cole uh, was outstanding, outstanding last night, and um, we'll see. First game will be Wednesday at Minute Maid Park. I think it's like a 6.30 uh, first pitch. So, um, boy, the Astros, they they look good. They look good. They're ready. And then on the flip side, last year's World Series champs, the Braves, they're out. Thank you, Philadelphia and the Phillies. Are they going nuts in the city of brotherly love with the Eagles undefeated after beating Dallas yesterday? And now the Phillies in the National League Championship Series, they'll be taking on another surprise team in the San Diego Padres. The Los Angeles Dodgers, the best team in baseball throughout the regular season. But that's why... You got to play the games, right? Because here we go. The path, I mean, they are, they're in it. And the Dodgers are out of it. And of course, the Astros sweep uh, Seattle and game five, Yankees, Guardians tonight, winner take all to survive and advance. The NBA um, regular season begins. The The Pelicans are um, opening up in Brooklyn. Kevin Durant calls Zion Williamson one of one. He said there have been some other players like Charles Barkley and, and others who are undersized that play bigger, that play bigger. Um, and that's what Zion is. But his quickness and his athleticism makes him one of one. And everything's in place for this basketball team to have a nice run, a nice run and sustained run you can hear it you can see it pelicans know they're going to be good this season they know it the core is intact from a team that surged down the stretch in the regular season a year ago gave the top seeded phoenix suns all they could handle and then some in the first round of the playoffs and maybe just maybe the most talented player in franchise history i think he is Zion Williamson, ever since that team moved from Charlotte 
They were the Hornets, and now they're the Pelicans. I know Anthony Davis was there for a while. I think this dude's better. I really do. And he's coming into the fold, and he's healthy, and he's in the best shape of his young NBA career. They got a really good coach who the players like and who the players respect. And in that league, let me tell you, that's everything in Willie Green. It's everything. Stay healthy. More, you know, uh, and go and wherever they go, it's going to be good crowds. More than 15,000 fans saw them play Atlanta on a Friday night in Birmingham, Alabama, Vegas. Uh, their over under win total has the Pels at 45 and a half, 45 and a half season ticket sales are up 25%. Everything is in place. Can they stay healthy? They've had some elite players, Anthony Davis, Chris Paul, David West, Baron Davis, Jamal Mashburn, DeMarcus Cousins, but they've never had a team as talented one through 10 as this one. They've got elite talent. They've got role players that understand their roles. They got promising youth. Um, Shoot. They've got everything. Can they stay healthy? And if they do look out. I will take a quick time out and we'll come back. Blake Rafino, the Are You Serious podcast. More on this. How, what a difference a week makes. It's amazing. It's amazing. Tennessee game. Oh, my God. Now you surge with beating a Florida team on the road. And you get Ole Miss coming to town. Seventh-ranked team in the country. Undefeated. You got a chance. We'll talk about that when we return here on the Jordy Helpert Show on the game. 103.7 Lafayette, one zero four one Lake Charles. Your home for the Tigers in southwest Louisiana. Alexa and the game make a great team. Do yourself a favor and enable the Alexa skill, the game Southwest Louisiana, so you can keep it locked in to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, wherever you go. Now we are back. Time to spend about 11 good, good minutes with our good friend from the Are You Serious podcast, Mr. Blake Rafino, 45-35, the win in the swamp. What a difference a week makes. LSU scores touchdowns on each of its first six possessions. How about that, Blake? And good afternoon, sir. Good afternoon. What a glorious thing it is when it looks like or when you actually execute a game plan, right? <laughs> what I mean, what happened between the Tennessee game and the Florida game? Did they simplify things or, did, I mean, was it? As simple as getting Kayshawn Booty involved because he was the team game captain? What, what happened here? No, I mean, he was a team game captain a week ago. I mean, this would be the, this was the second time. I think, Jordy, it just, you know, when you don't have critical drops on third down, Jane Daniels goes eight of nine on third downs, yeah. throwing the football. You're able to pick up another couple of first downs through on the ground. And the, pretty much the number one thing, I mean, look, you have your – from All-American left tackle back. Um, and, and, look, you run – anything that's going to help a quarterback is a good running game. And, and yep. Josh Williams just ran tough. John Emery ran and tough. Terrific. Look, I mean, the, the scheme didn't change. A lot of these things they have already run a lot, and they just executed. And you got to give them credit. Um, they played like there was no tomorrow, and really and truthfully, there, there kind of wasn't. wasn't for, for what yep. they're trying to achieve. For all those naysayers about Jaden Daniels, that was a, that, by far the best game he's ever played. He looked confident. He was bouncing around in the pocket, staying in there, looking. He threw the ball deep and on target. Uh, he was terrific. 
yeah, looked really confident, right? Throwing yep. passes to guys before they're out of their break. I mean, just he looked good. And I think it's just a progression. You know, look, I, I hate when we make these Joe Burrow comparisons. I really do. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But he went, th- but, but Jordy, this is just isn't a Joe Burrow thing, though, like an 18. Okay. When you transfer in. Okay. The, the, the thing is, is that all quarterbacks struggle. Jackson Dart, LSU will see him this week. He has the same struggles. Why? Because you have to go through repetition with certain people, right? Like you, you just have to. And he was confident, poised. And just really, really made everything that they try to execute, he executed. And you got to give him credit for that. I'm with you. Blake Rafino with us. Um, finally got a, a really good play on special teams when Damian Ramos uh, kicked that 47-yard field goal. That was clutch. That, that won the game for him because Florida, in that fourth quarter, the momentum had shifted completely their way. LSU couldn't stop them. They couldn't tackle them. Yeah, you know, I, I think Brian Kelly's right. He said this today. He feels confident that, it, you know, if special teams actually could hold up, then he thinks Damon Ramos could kick a 50-yard field goal and they would send him out there to do it. Yeah. Um, really and truthfully, Jordy, I mean, look, you, you have a blocked extra punt. Well, that's not on Damian Ramos. No. Right? Like, that's not, you know, so everything else around him has struggled, not him. So, Clutch kick, I thought the way that Brian Kelly uh, manipulated the time. And, Jordy, we got the ball back with seven minutes. And I understand. And I was on the edge of my seat going, you got to be kidding me. We're not going to blow this game, are we? Right. Well, and look, again, I think this is why you bring a a man like him in. I'm okay, Jordy, even with the interception. I'm glad that they attacked. I'm glad they didn't sit on their hands. Right. Right. Like, right. I can live with trying to win and then not trying to lose. Right. Like, there's two completely different ways of how you go th- or do things. Um, but obviously, the rough in the past, which, look, does high throw. I mean, when you got a guy that's in your face, you can't do that. So, um, but I thought that they, they executed what they were. I think the biggest concern for me, um, really and truthfully, Playing, you know, look, I, look. Brad Davis has been here. We've seen the offensive line progress when healthy. The problem is, is that we haven't seen a lot of change out of the defensive line. And yeah. they had decent games. They've also had some really, really, really bad games. This falls in the category. I don't know where you are, Blake, but you're, you're popping in. You're popping in and out. So if you can get in the better cell area quickly, that would be that would be terrific. Are you still there? We lost him. Can you hear me now? Now I yeah, can, can hear you. Yes, Blake Rafino, the Are You Serious podcast. I said going into this game against Florida, how how fragile is this LSU football team? How are they going to react after getting their rear ends handed to them by Tennessee in their own stadium? Well, they showed me. Now, my biggest concern now is with Ole Miss coming into your stadium, 7-0, 7th in the country, is this offensive production sustainable can they can they do it two weeks in a row and that's what i want to see i don't think they'll score on their first six drives again <laughs> you know like <laughs> I, I mean that that's that's pretty remarkable 
Jordy, the like I was just trying to say, I know I was I was breaking up. I, I think the number one thing for me that is the biggest concern, maybe it's not so much offensively, because I think that they're starting to find a stride. Look, even against Tennessee, if you if you execute better, you're going to be a lot closer. They just didn't execute. Mm-hmm. The thing for the thing for me has been this defensive line struggling, the front seven. Jordy, over the last two weeks, they've given up 472 rushing yards. Ole yeah. Miss is a run first team, yeah. and I'm re- if if I going in this game, I am really concerned, actually extremely concerned behind what they're going to do uh, defensively in the front seven. Because look, I, I look Ole Miss showed that they defensively they can be a little bit fake here and there because they all what they did against Auburn. Auburn's not a great team, and, and Auburn scored a lot of points. I think LSU can score a lot of points. You do got to be consistent, but Jordy, my biggest concern right now is that front seven of LSU because outside of Michael Baskerville and Greg Penn, your front four has really struggled in the running game. Yeah, I don't know how you correct it as quickly as you can because um, I got to give. I've said this before. I I, I was um, I sold Lane Kiffin short. He's a much better football coach than I thought he was. It's amazing what he can do. Usually, it's a it's a quarterback centric game, and they're throwing the ball everywhere. But now he's got these running backs, and they're running it down people's throats. Um, he's good, man. And you know, Matt House, what kind of plan are you going to come up with? And can you tackle better, please? Yeah, and you know, really and truthfully, Jordy, it's a lot of what Lane, what Lane does is what the dictate or defense dictates. Meaning, you know, Auburn had a lot. You know, they allowed 400 yards rushing and didn't allow anything behind them, but they never adjusted. And yeah. when you go five and six man boxes against Lane Kiffin, you're going to get absolutely boat raced. And I think teams that give Lane the biggest struggles are the teams that completely mix it up, mix up the fronts, mix up the looks, because it's not so much confusing Jackson Dart as it is Lane Kiffin, because they'll do a check of the line, they'll look the lane, they'll get in a new play. you got to be able to mix things up. And, and look, Lane's matured. You know, I listened to his press conference today. He He's not, you know, I mean, look, he has still some gamesmanship in him, you know, the get your popcorn ready, stuff like that. Yeah, sure. But I mean, he just—he's really matured as a, as an overall coach, which makes Ole Miss and him really dangerous if he gets rolling. Blake Rafino with us. It, it, I mean, if you had told me LSU controls or and look, there's a lot of football games to be played, but they're three and one in the league. They're tied with Alabama. They get Alabama here eventually. It's going to be a night game because CBS is going to scoop up Georgia, Tennessee for sure. Um, this Ole Miss game is the pivotal game. Um, and again, can can the front seven do their part defensively? Can this offense continue to do things? Because you're going to have to score to beat Ole Miss, right? You're going to have to score points and a bunch of them. Yeah, you're going to have to score. You're going to have to be disciplined. I, I, I mean, you're just going to you're going to have to play. You can't shoot yourselves in the foot. You can't have turnovers. If you give Lane more possessions, that's where teams lose. You know, like I, I remember Lane's first year at Ole Miss. The, the year the game they almost beat Alabama, it was mainly because number one they couldn't stop Wayne. That that's true, but they shot themselves in the foot. 
And if you shoot yourself in the foot against Lane Kiffin, he's, he's like a shark in water, right? And yeah. he smells blood. You just yeah. can't do it. And look, Jordy, I, at, at some point, I get it, some, uh, some of it's on Brian Polian, but man, you just can't have these special teams problems, right? Like you just, it, 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 yeah. and I know it was only one of them, but you, like, you're up 21 to seven. Or no, yeah, no, 21 14, excuse me. And Jack Best fumbles, and then you're, yeah. then, then you're tied. And yeah. God willing, you know, Kayshawn Bouti, thank God he plucked that ball out of the air and gave you a first down because if not, Jordy, the momentum swings in another direction. So, man, you just can't, you gotta limit these turnovers. How they're overcoming a lot of, Jordy, the, the, the simple fact LSU's coming over, overcoming a lot of this stuff is almost damn near a miracle. Honestly. I'm with you. I mean, if you really think right. about it. It makes up for it makes for a great setting this Saturday with Ole Miss coming to town. Blake Rafino, the Are You Serious podcast. Thank you, buddy. I greatly appreciate your time as always, man. Have a great afternoon. Thanks, Jordy. Have a good day. All right, you got it. So again, um LSU, Ole Miss, two thirty. Is that offense sustainable? Can you can you mount drives and keep that Ole Miss offense off to the side? That's going to be uh, the pivotal part. All right, we'll take a quick time out here. When we come back, we'll hear some sounds from Saturday and Sunday from the Tigers and the Saints here on the Jordy Helpert Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Here's three pieces of advice to live by. Never play cards with a guy whose last name is a state. Don't spit into the wind. And always listen to the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. All right, welcome back. Finishing touches of this Monday edition of the Jordy Holberg Show with... Um, uh, we close up with some sounds from Saturday and Sunday. It was a great, great win for LSU. They're right in the thick of things in the SEC West. If they can handle their business this Saturday, 2.30 against Ole Miss. Jaden Daniels was the star, 23 completions on 32 attempts for 349 yards, three passing touchdowns. He also ran the ball 14 times for 44 yards and another three touchdowns. Brian Kelly after the game. Okay, coach, did you see any signs that this was about to happen to Jaden Daniels? Absolutely, of course. I mean, we were hoping that uh, he was going to be more uh, assertive with the football and push it down the field. He's seeing things a lot better. Uh, The offense is coming to him. Um, it's a new offense that he's in, uh, and um, it's it's slowing down for him. Um, and, and obviously, you know, throwing for three and running for three, you saw his athletic ability and his ability to um, to move this offense. Uh, he was terrific. Nine players caught passes on the night, none more. And I've got to tip my hat. I, I was down on the dude. Uh, but um, he he busted out. He looked like the old Kayshawn Booty. Uh, Six catches for 115 yards. The first time this season he surpassed the 100-yard receiving mark. Brian Kelly, what got Kayshawn going? He just, um, I made him the game day captain, and you could just see 
that intensity pick up, and I don't know that that was the reason for it, but he played fast. He, I made him game day captain because of the way he practiced this week. Um, he by far set the standard in terms of um, how he went to practice, and it showed in the way he played. He was faster than anybody. Uh, he broke tackles. He was a difference maker. If he plays at that level, um, we're, we're a different football team. He plays at that level. You get the play from Josh Williams, who ran for 106 yards, including a 50-yard dash on the first play of the second half to help the Tigers get 179 yards to the ground, 4.7 yards per carry. Hey, Brian, um, get, make Kayshawn the captain each and every week. As good as that was, it was as frustrating as it could possibly be for the New Orleans Saints as they lost to the Cincinnati Bengals. They're kick, the Saints are kicking field goals. The Bengals are scoring touchdown down the stretch. Andy Dalton talked about the lack of execution in the red zone. I think we got in a lot of third and long situations where they were able to just play coverage and um, it was the efficiency on first and second down that, that hurt us. And, um, you know, I think that's that's what it came down to is we, we had needed to be better early on, the, um, you know, early downs that, uh, you know, give us a chance to get down to some manageable situations. Frustrating day. Taran Matthew summed it all up. Yeah, I mean, listen, I think it hurt. Anytime you lose in this league, it hurt, um, you know, but in the last couple of weeks we, we've had, you know, uh, you know, double-digit leads and, um, you know, we just got to find a way to kind of, you know, put teams away. Um, so, um, you know, but I think the most important thing is us just continuing to stick together. Uh, you know, I think we have a good group. Um, so, you know, I think we'll be all right in the end, but uh, just got to find a way to finish these games. Well, they don't have much time to dwell on it, right? Because they have to play Thursday night in Arizona. And the other good news of the day is the fact that uh, despite the loss, they're only one game out of first place in the NFC South. As the Falcons were winners yesterday, the Buccaneers were losers yesterday, and Carolina's just playing out the season. So uh, still some things to do, but boy, it was uh, – it was amazing to see that LSU connection once again. Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase back in the Superdome. Joe, after settling in, um, kind of figured things out, and he kind of summed it up as it being a great day for the Bengals. It always does when we play in this state. You know, the fans are crazy. It's great to come back and, and experience that. Fortunately, we got the win. Um, it's a great day for us. Great day. What about those fans in the dome, Joe? I mean, I have so many, or a lot of great memories. It was from one game, but a lot of great memories of this stadium and a lot of great memories of this culture and, and these fans. And so it was great to come back and, and feel that energy again. I was kind of thinking he'd run out there in his Bengal jersey with the B-U-R-R-E-A-U-X on the back of it. I really thought he was going to do that, but maybe you can't do that in the NFL with all their rules and uh, and regulations that they have. Um, he would always find Jamar Chase whenever it counted. When he was at LSU, he found Jamar Chase yet again, not once but twice, including what ended up being the game-winning touchdown as Jamar Chase outran and broke some tackles 
got into the end zone. Here is Jamar Chase talking about the game winner. Which one? I'm messing with you. Um, yeah. Um, you know, me and Joe was on the same page with the back shoulder. You know, he threw me that way I could make a guy miss, and I seen Tyra coming, and, you know, I just made a play with my feet. Made a play with his feet, got into the end zone, and uh, two touchdowns. Before the game, as Joe Burrow entered the Superdome off the, the Bengals team bus, uh, the cameras are always there to see what these players are wearing, and Joe Burrow was wearing a game used. You could see the dirt on it. Jamar Chase, number one LSU jersey. So, Jamar, what did you think of that wardrobe? Yeah, um, it was crazy when he first asked me for it because I didn't know what he was going to really do. But, you know, when I seen him with it on, you know, it was kind of cool seeing that, um, showing him repping me while I was in my hometown. So, you know, shout out Joe for, you know, doing that. You good? Go ahead. So, it all comes down to this in football, and you can see it on every level. Um it's the play of the quarterback that either lifts the team up on its shoulders or takes the team down. You saw what Jaden Daniels did over the weekend and how he lifted LSU. LSU, of course, being the LSU Tigers that they are, they always are going to keep you on the edge of their seat. But when push came to shove, LSU wins. And, and as was noted, five and two sounds a heck of a lot better than four and three. And on the flip side, you saw the greatness of Joe Burrow scoring touchdowns. You just knew whenever they got the ball back, they were going to score. On the Saints side, Andy Dalton, field goal after field goal. They couldn't punch it in. You knew that was going to bite them in the derriere before it was all said and done. Now the question comes in, is it time for Jameis Winston to come back in as the starting quarterback, even if he's not completely 100% healthy um yeah is it are the saints going to be without marshawn Lattimore and michael thomas and jarvis landry uh, again on such a short week who got hurt against cincinnati what is this team going to look like how are they going to get things put together well that's the big question mark so so we will wait and we shall see there you go um but again, no time to waste at all. Cajuns at home this weekend against Arkansas State. Saints at home. Uh, Saints on the road Thursday at Arizona. And LSU with a huge game. And it'll be on CBS, their 230 ball game. Uh, LSU versus um, undefeated Ole Miss. Should be uh, quite a lead up. And we've got the NBA starting up. And the Astros are just waiting to see who wins tonight between the Yankees and the Cleveland Guardians as to who they will host on Wednesday evening in the American League Championship Series. We know it's going to be Philadelphia and the San Diego Padres in the National League. Oh, it's a great, great time of the year. Special thanks to all of our guests today. Christopher Dunnels talking about the Saints uh, collapse. Glenn West talking about the LSU victory. Blake Lavelle with more on the Tennessee Volunteers, and did you see how close that field goal actually made it over the crossbar to beat Alabama? Wow. Um, and then, of course, Blake Rafino. James, thank you so much for everything that you do. Thanks to all of you for listening in in whatever form or fashion that you do. By the way, if your birthday is today, October 17th, 
Happy birthday from all of us to all of you. You share yours. One of my all-time favorites. I can't believe he's 50. Eminem is 50 years old today. So come on back tomorrow, same time, 2 to 4. Same great stations, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Until then, I'm Jordy Heltberg. Stay thirsty, my friends. Stay healthy. Let's be kind to one another and be happy. So long, everybody.